Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. All right, so I heard Joel let you guys know that I'm sharing with you guys this morning, so no need to do that. Um, man, it's an honor and privilege to, to do that. Uh, I'm excited about the message that God's laid on my heart this morning, and um, I hope you guys are just ex- excited. Let me ask you all a question. How many parents are in the room? Dude, there's a lot of parents in the room. How many parents in the room sometimes feel as if they don't measure up as a parent? Like our, our, our kids go through different stages, and uh, we want them to be ready for those stages. Uh, about a year ago, my oldest daughter, Gracie, signed up. Uh, she got her driving permit. And um, she passed the test. And from that point forward, as a dad and a self-proclaimed driver, self-proclaimed um, I wanted to make sure as a dad that I measured up in instructing her and teaching her how to drive so she'd be ready for the driving test to get her license. And more importantly, when she left my driveway, I felt confident in her ability as a driver herself, right? A lot of you guys have probably been through this, but for Chrissy and I, it's our first time. So two Fridays ago, she went and signed up to get her driving test. And um, usually on Fridays, I wash my truck, Chrissy's car. I kind of just chill out. But this Friday, I knew at 3.30, Gracie was taking her driving test. So I was extremely nervous. I was absolutely unproductive in the day. Um, I was nervous because it was time and Gracie was signing up for the test. So we get there after we stopped here and practiced parallel parking a few more times and we go. And I thought, honestly, I could just go in, have a seat, Gracie would go with the instructor and come back and I'd be fine with whatever the results would be. But no, that's not the case at all. So at the Rock Spring DMV, I'm dad of the year, hiding behind the bushes, watching her parallel park, watching her back in, watching her pull off. You would have thought by then I could go in, but no. I'm sitting out in the little awning where all kind of craziness hangs out. And uh, I'm sitting under the awning just watching and waiting. She and the instructor pull up and I give the thumb a meter. You know, I'm looking at the instructor going, pass, fail, which way? And the, lady, the little lady goes, and I'm like, whew. Well, that wasn't good enough for me because I told Chrissy and Gracie, I said, hey, if she only passed by like one or two points, like there's more instruction that needs to be done. She passed it with flying colors. But what I'm saying is, as a dad, I wanted to measure up so that should be able to measure up and pass that test. And as parents, we all want to measure up. We all want to measure up and get our kids prepared for that next level in life. Students, 
you want to measure up too. Whether it's a sports team you're trying out for, whether it's the band, whatever it is, you want to measure up. Tryouts are coming. Um, you want to make the team. Hey, there are some of us, we make the team, and yet we don't get as much playing time as we want. And here's what I say to that. Like sometimes I think you riding the, sitting on the bench, it's okay because God's preparing you for something much bigger than what's on the field that you're playing on, but the field of life. Adults, we're the same way. You know, with this driving thing, we got a 360 app, Life 360. How many of you parents know about this? If you don't, you need to know. It got me in a little bit of trouble because uh, I went to get Chrissy some donuts yesterday morning. And it tells, it alerts us as parents if we rapid if we have rapid acceleration. So I'm driving home, Chrissy calls. I clicked it on my Bluetooth. And uh, Chrissy's like, hey, Nathan, you got one rapid acceleration. What's that about? I'm like, hey, babe, if a Camaro pulls up to me at a red light, I want to see if I measure up, Right? There are also more serious things in life that we try to measure up to. At work, we want to measure up. We want to measure up. We at least want to be considered for a promotion. We want recognition when we do our very best. We want, we want to raise every now and then. We want to be on the in crowd. Uh, I guess you could, might call it the lunch crowd. That all the plans are made at lunch and by the time you come back, the plans are made, you just got to go along with it. We wonder why we don't fit that bill, right? We all want to measure up. Today I'm going to share with you uh, a character in the Bible by the name of David. And um, the life of David shows us just how significant we are to God. Would you guys do me a favor? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are significant to God. Some of you think that's pretty corny, but somebody just needed you to say that. You are significant to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, your word is a steady and constant in our lives. Thank you for that. Father, I pray that today our hearts, our minds will be open to what you want to share with us. Lord, today I, I pray that we realize there, there's somebody that may be in this audience that needs, just needs to know they're significant to God. Lord, because of your son, Jesus Christ, we don't have to measure up because of what he did on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to read through verse 13 there. And we can stand while we read God's word. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. And go, I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. 
And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesus made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. You may be seated. Hey, here's some significance here. When you look at this story, this passage tells us something, some pretty awesome things. So Saul was the king of Israel. And Saul was the people's choice. You see, God never intended Israel to have a king because God was their king. Why do you need an earthly king when you have God as your king? The people chose Saul, but because of Saul, his decisions, the way he ran things, the Lord, the Lord rebuked him, and he wanted to send Samuel to anoint a new a new king. For Samuel to do this, it was extremely dangerous because if Saul knew it, Saul could just kill the prophet. So the Lord has him create a plan and just say, hey, go make a sacrifice. So Samuel does just that. The elders of the town are hearing the prophets coming. That's a big deal. That's as if the vice president's coming to town. And they're saying this. They're asking, do you come in peace? Peaceably I've come. I'm coming to sacrifice. So from that, Samuel separates Jesse and his boys and invites them to the sacrifice. One by one, the boys pass by. And where they look like they might be the part, the Lord said, nope. That's not him. That's not him. I don't see as man sees. I look much deeper than what's on the outside. I look at the heart. They all pass by and David is out in the field 
keeping sheep. Samuel says, are all of them here? Nope, the youngest, he's out here tending sheep. Bring him in. We won't even eat until he gets here. So they brought him in. The Lord approved David. Samuel anoints him with oil. The spirit of the Lord was with David from that day forward. David the shepherd became David the king of Israel. That's an awesome thing. Now, here's what we can learn about the story of David. One, God's not looking at your appearance. He's looking at your character. God's not looking at your appearance. He's looking at your character. Before social media, we looked at celebrities and magazines that were touched up, smoothed out, or trimmed down. Even though these images of perfection weren't realistic, as a society we knew it, yet somehow still wanted to measure up to that kind of standard. Now with social media, the comparison between celebrities of magazines to our peers on social media to differentiate reality and a lie, it pales in comparison. Because when we look and scroll through social media, we're only seeing the highlights. We're only seeing the highlights. Yeah, your spouse may come to you and say, man, I wish, I wish we had a relationship like those two. You see how he's always posting nice little lovey things on social media? You're like, yeah, but I know better. If I want to tell Chrissy something nice and lovely, I'm not going to sit on the couch telling the world. I'm going to tell her. We're only seeing the highlights. When you see the beach picture, I know because I've got one. You see the perfect picture, the perfect smiles. But you don't see the argument that happened the hour getting ready for them. Men, do you like those beach pictures? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thumb a meter. No. You don't see the dysfunction in the family, the corrosion that's in the family that's tearing that family apart. When a businessman or a businesswoman, her, her, his job requires travel. You might see the perfect view from the hotel room. They romanticize the travel. But the picture doesn't show the reality. They went, they saw the airport, the interstate, and the hotel. It doesn't show the reality that they're thousands of miles away from their family, lonely, in a hotel room. The pictures on show, social media are just the highlights. Girls, it's just us showing our best life. I don't know how y'all do the leg back and the hand on the hip, but it's just the best life. But it's just an image. It is just an image. As Christians, we tend to do the same thing. We show up Sunday morning looking our best, putting our best foot forward, knowing it's all an outward front, and that every week we live the entire week without a heart for God. You don't live by his will. You ignore his word. But you show up here as a super Christian, 
but your co-workers would even be shocked that you're here this morning. Corbin and I visit schools uh, throughout the week. And uh, we were in one school and we were standing with a group of boys. And uh, usually I can kind of draw a crowd. I go in talking about I'm so-and-so's probation officer. And it'll only take a minute. It's a short test. It's pass or fail. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, I always like meeting the new guys. Kids that I've not met before. Uh, We had a a little crowd of guys around us. And... uh, I finally revealed the truth. I'm not a probation officer. I'm a youth pastor. Where do you go to church? Oh, I'm Presbyterian. And we're standing there in this crowd, and this dude's best friend's like, What? You're Presbyterian? I'm Presbyterian too. I'm like, Hey, man, are y'all best friends? Yeah, we're best friends. I'm like, You're best friends, and you've never talked about being a Christian with one another adults we can fall into the same trap there's people you and I run into all the time and they might be shocked that we go to Peavine that we're Christians God's not looking at our social media he's looking at your soul God's not looking at an appearance he's looking at your character remember God sees much deeper than your front. He sees your heart. Verse 7 in chapter 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. One by one, David's brothers passed in front of Samuel. Eliab, Samuel must have been thinking, man, this guy, he looks good. He's tall, he's well-built, strong, like great personality, good leadership skills. But the Lord says, nope, I refused him. One by one, they passed by. No, I've refused him. I've refused him. Is this all the boys? Jesse says, no, there's my youngest And there he is out in the field keeping sheep. God's not looking at your appearance. He's looking at your character. You got to understand something about this. David, his own dad, didn't even see that David would make the cut. You and I might get to try out for the basketball team. But David wasn't even able to try out that day. For a prophet to come to your house... Man, these guys had to be cleaned up, worshipped up, confessed up. Like they had to be ready for Samuel to come. And there's David. What's he doing? Shepherding sheep. He was about his father's business. God uses those that are faithful in the small things because... They are the ones that will be faithful in the big things. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servants. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. David was the kind of guy, when God said go, he went. When God said do, he did. When God said stop, he stopped. It's not that David was perfect. But he was sensitive to God's direction and instruction. 
The Bible refers to him, to David, as a man after God's own heart. Do you have a heart for God? Do you have a heart for the lost? Do you have a heart for his word? Second thing we learn. God sometimes uses solitude to solidify your character. Verse 11 says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. Have you ever not made the team? Adults, we can relate from being looked over for the promotion at work. There are times you might go through the process of a promotion but you already know they've got the next candidate lined up and they're just going through the motions. Not only did David not make the cut, he was unable to try out. And why should he? Remember, his own dad didn't even see it in him. Anyone, David shows a glimpse of character here because anyone can handle praise, popularity, and adoration. Life is good when you're rolling up on a bus as a state champion. Life's good when you're hitting your goals at work, receiving praise and affirmation from your boss. What matters is not what you do when you're getting the praise. Are you faithful when you're alone, forgotten, and unnoticed? What matters is not what you do when you're on top of your game. Are you faithful when you when you're riding the bench in life. You see, the pasture was preparing David for his position. The Bible shows us that leadership comes at a cost. When you're in charge, you're going to take the heat. Criticism comes your way. People are threatened by your position in leadership. The pasture is where God prepared David for the position, the king of Israel. It's out in the pasture David learned how to be alone and depend on God. We know that because even if you flip over to the next chapter in verse 37 and 17, David tells us that he depended on God while he was out in the pasture because when he was going to fight Goliath, nobody else would fight Goliath when he was going to fight him. He said, surely the God that delivered me from the lion's paw, the bear's paw, surely He'll deliver me from the hands of this wicked Philistine. David learned how to rely on God in the pasture. God could have you out in the pasture of life for this season because he's preparing you for the position that he has for you. Even though David was forgotten, looked over insignificant, he was about his father's will. You see, God may want to see what you'll do with a little so that he will know what you can do with a lot. As Christians, we must be faithful with the little that we're entrusted with so that when it's time, we can handle the lot. This isn't a quick formula. The Christian walk is a process. Everybody loves to quote James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We all like to quote that verse. 
You know why? Because we like it at the end. So that we're perfect, complete, we're mature, lacking nothing. We all want to be mature, complete, and lack nothing. The thing we, you and I as Christians have trouble with is sometimes we don't like the process. But the Christian walk is a process. It's not a quick fix. You can't order it on a 1-800, you know. It's not a quick fix. It's a process over time. You know, this uh, Life360 app, Gracie, the day after she got her license, of course, she hit Chrissy and I up to go to Chick-fil-A in the movies that Saturday night. And because it's Chick-fil-A, it's Christian chicken, we said yes. <laughs> right? But we said yes, and we were trusting in our Life360 app. And um, here's what Chrissy did. Uh, Gracie did. We, we told her after the movies, don't cross four lanes of traffic. Like, that's dangerous for a first day driver. Take a right, go to the red light, turn around in the Gabe's parking lot. Nobody knows where Gabe's is and the lights were off. Okay? So when it came time for Gracie to leave the theater, she did what we saw. And we saw her little dot. It turned right. It went through the first red light. Then it went to the second red light. And then it went to the third. She got halfway to Ridgeland High School. I'm shouting at my phone. Turn around, Gracie. And Chrissy's going, don't call her because she'll pick up the phone. So she gets halfway to Ridgeland. We see her stop. I'm like, okay, good. She's going to start heading in the right direction now. So she turns, comes back up 27. She turns right. And goes to the battlefield at 9 o'clock at night. 9.30 at night. Hey, if you're from here, you know not to go in the battlefield after dark. <laughs> she realized she's lost. So she stopped in the battlefield. It's the making of a horror movie. <laughs> there are creepers in the battlefield. So I'm yelling at my phone, Gracie, just go, go, you know, go. She starts going. She starts heading in the right direction. She took about three wrong turns on the way back. Um, but we could tell she was headed in the right direction. Christians, here's what I'm saying. Sometimes in life, like when we think we don't measure up, like, I can forgive you when you do me wrong. I can forgive y'all. I'm easy at that. But when the thing that just so easily ensnares us catches us again, isn't it hard to forgive yourself? And we think, man, I don't even measure up. You see, here's what I'm saying with that illustration. God's not looking for perfection but he's wanting you to head in the right direction. You understand what I'm saying? It's not about perfection for us, but it's time that we start heading in the right direction. All the other brothers made it to dinner, but David was out in the field doing his father's will. Let me ask you a question. Are you about God's will? Let me make that simpler. Do you live to please God 
and live your life the way he desires you to live it. God also uses those that are available, not able. Man, if we've got all the ability in the world, sometimes that's all about us. It's all about us. But when we just make ourselves available to God with the things that others might not see in us, others don't see us. They see God through us. It's an amazing thing how God even uses our weaknesses to reveal his glory. This passage describes David as a young, good-looking dude with bright eyes. But in man's eyes, he wasn't fit to be a king. Even his dad didn't think David measured up. The Bible shows us how David was available for whatever God had for him. As soon as Samuel anointed David, Saul was tormented by mental illness. And he needed someone to come in and soothe him when he was having his fits of rage. And there's David. He played the harp out in the pasture. And there he is, getting close to the king in a servant role. What better way to be that close to the position so that he would be ready to step up to it? When all the men of Israel were afraid to stand up and fight the giant named Goliath, David was available. David was such an underdog in that match, Goliath said, surely you're not sending this boy with sticks to fight me. And David responds to him, you come with a sword and a spear, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. Pow! You know? Like, that's what's up. It wasn't about David's ability. It was about his availability. He's not looking at your skill. He's looking for someone to seek his will. What is it that God's asking you, you to do in your next steps as a Christian? Is it forgive someone that you've been holding on to? For unforgiveness you've been holding on to? Bitterness? Is it share Jesus with one of your co-workers, a friend, somebody at school, a family member? You say, man, Nathan, I don't know even what I would say. I don't even know how to get into the conversation. Remember, it's not your ability, it's your availability. It's your availability. Trust me, I've talked to hundreds of people about Jesus, and I've screwed it up before. I've messed it up. And yet still, the word of God gets a hold of somebody's heart and they get saved. You say, well, Nathan, I'm not qualified. I don't measure up to talk about Jesus because people know how I live in front of them. Christians, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm not perfect. You know me full well and I'm not perfect. But because I'm a Christian, when I sin, I struggle with it. And this is what Jesus has done for me. There's nothing wrong with sharing that. 
Maybe you're here today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've never followed through with baptism. You've never followed up with baptism. When I talk to people about baptism, there's a lot of times that they want to get ready for it. People will say, I want to be sure I'm coming, I'm attending P-Vine at least. Uh, a good record of attendance before I get baptized. I want to be sure I get stuff in order. Man, there's no getting ready for it. Remember, God wants you to head in the right direction. He's not looking for perfection. Baptism is the first step. It's one of the very first steps after you get saved to say, hey, I'm serious about this thing, and I want everybody to know, and I'm going to follow Jesus in baptism. When you make one right step, it's easier to make the next right step. Maybe you're here today, and you know that the first thing you need to do, God's will is that for you to be saved. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, so that you can be saved, forgiven of sin, because you matter to God. You say, Nathan, there's no way I measure up to be a Christian. Hey, let me say this. You're in a room surrounded by people that are in the same boat as you. None of us are. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nothing we can do. There's no amount of good deeds. Even on my best day and my best minute, I'm still a sinner. But because Jesus Christ died and rose again and he did that for me and I made him my Lord and Savior, I'm forgiven. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit's impressing on your heart to accept Jesus Christ. Josh is fixing to get a song together. If you guys would, let's stand and we'll pray. If you're here today and you need, need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I'm going I'm to pray a prayer and I want you to repeat it after me. It is not the words you say. It's the intent of your heart that matters. You have to A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe Jesus died and rose again. C, call out to him. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I call out to you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Father, save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed, nobody's looking around. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.